Huddle Up podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order? Hey, everyone in, let's go! Huddle up on three, one, two, three, huddle Huddle up. up! I mean, no one comes into our house and pushes us around. This is your game now, gentlemen. Drop it eight. Steps up. No. Loads and throws. It's caught. It's pitched backwards. Up in the air. It's on the ground. Still in Clemson's hands. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Fans on their feet. Rally towels are being waved. Brad Lidge stretches. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of Baseball. Eller for the draw. And as the puck drops, the words that D.C. fans have been waiting to hear since 1974. The Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. And now, welcome everyone to the Huddle Up Podcast. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Huddle Up Podcast. We are live Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. It is Tuesday night, January the 26th, 2021. We are glad to be with you. Make sure you are subscribed to us on all podcast platforms and you are following us on our social media accounts. Facebook and Twitter are at Huddle Up Podcast. And on uh, Instagram, we are at Huddle Up Pod. Um, we have the full crew in here on a uh, on this Tuesday night, we'll start with Dave. Welcome back, Dave. After a few weeks, how we doing? We're doing uh, I'm pretty good here, Jim. Uh, happy to be back. Uh, one more game of football left this year, but uh, another uh, day in paradise here, right? And your favorite quarterback of all time is back in the Super Bowl. So uh, try to hide your excitement on that one. Uh, Matt, back with us after a few weeks off. Matt, how we doing? Doing well. If you uh, watch Three Count Thursday at all, you know that Matt doesn't drink alcohol during the week anymore. So we have a diet snapple. Ooh, any night. any flavor to that, or just straight up? This is the takes two to mango iced tea. Clever, clever. I like that. Takes two to mango, and then of course uh, back here for a consecutive week. I've lost count. Sean, how we doing? 
Oh, we're cruising. Kind of a warm day uh, today here in in Tampa Bay. Uh, got the shorts on outside, shorts and a t-shirt. It's a little humid and foggy, but we're doing great. Uh, obviously, big uh, sports week uh, here in the Bay. Uh, a lot to talk about down here uh, if you want to listen to it. But uh, if you don't, they're going to talk about it anyway. I was going to say, how, how's it how's it going avoiding the uh, the talk down there in 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 Tampa? You can't, but it, I mean it's early, so I mean you, you pretty much it, it feels fairly typical at this point. I'd imagine come week two of game prep when you've run out of things to talk about, and all of a sudden you have to start talking up the opponent more, and you know talking about all the ways that like receiver number five is going to do well. You know how Scotty Miller is going to be the hero. You, you start to you start to get all that going, but but yeah, it, it's not too obnoxious yet. Although Champa Bay is is uh, is is pretty obnoxious. I don't hate it as a catchphrase, but it'd be cooler if I was a fan of their squads. Wait, that's that's a thing. That that's that's what they're oh, they call it, Champa Bay. I mean, why? Yeah. Although, I, I, can you really say Champa Bay? I mean, I understand you had you now have two of the three were in. All three were in the in the finals. One of them has won so far. Right. If, like if, if you go one for three after making finals in all sports, can you even say Champa Bay? Conference champ Bay? I guess. I guess but I, although and then you have people that are arguing, well, the uh the Rowdies, the uh MLS team down here also they did win a championship here as well. I suppose I suppose you can't take anything away from what they did, but still Champa Bay, I, I don't know about that. You brought in the Raptors. That was a mistake. <laughs> well, yeah. Champa Bay. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I saw a great picture. It was the um it was the lightning, either their 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 TV broadcaster or their uh radio and now radio broadcaster, but he, he he like shared a picture on Twitter. Like they're you know, they don't travel to road games, they call from the arena. So he's calling you know Tampa. I forget where they were playing. He's at the arena, but the uh, the the Raptors court was on was on the floor. He's. I was like, it was just like the most bonkers picture. It was like the uh, the the hockey bubble with uh, when you have like the Calgary Flames home jerseys in the Edmonton Oilers locker room. It's just all these weird images that that sports in in twenty twenty and now twenty twenty one have given us. So I will give Tampa. The, the lightning a uh like a ridiculous props one they didn't officially raise the banner they unveiled the banner mm-hmm. in the first game they're not going to raise it until fans are in the house but that day because they didn't have any uh fans coming in in addition to unveiling the banner there they made like eight replica banners and at various times throughout the day unveiled them at different public spots around the bay there's a there's one in saint pete there's Clearwater, a couple in Tampa, like all the major hubs around the county, the the cheerleaders and, and the mascot and everybody went to that location and like unveiled a banner and they're leaving them hanging so you can get around and that's, see. That's pretty uh, solid. That, that, that's, it was a pretty cool idea. Yeah, I'll, I will give him that. That that was pretty cool, uh, you know, to not uh, to not have it up, obviously, without uh, fans currently uh, in the building. So. Uh, let's let's look at this past weekend, uh, of course, conference championship weekend in uh, the National Football League. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC, the Kansas City Chiefs win the AFC. Your Super Bowl matchup is set. Um, but obviously, the biggest the biggest point of contention in the uh, in the NFC championship game 
uh, was the call that was made on was it was I guess it was a third down the uh, the the holding pass interference um, on the Packers. Um, you know, people people obviously throwing their hands up because you know calls were you know a lot was let go in that game. Uh, Scotty checking in with us. How you doing, Scotty? Um, you know, a lot, a lot was let go in that game. Uh, they decided to, to throw the, uh, to throw the flag there in at, at the end. Um, so I, I guess the first question, Dave, we'll start with you. We'll work our way around. Um, should they, should they have called the game differently throughout the game? Should that, should that penalty not have been thrown? Your thoughts on, on the decision to throw the flag at that point? Yes, I mean, I think, uh, number one, I like the way they called the game and pretty much let them play. Um, should they have called the flag, thrown it there or not? Um, probably with how they've been, they were calling the majority of the game, letting them play, it's probably uh, more of a tic-tac call. But uh, you, you look at the NFL this year, and you probably see that flag in more games than not based on that actual play. I mean, he had a handful of the jersey. Uh, so chances are it's called. Um, whether I like it or not, uh, I mean, it got uh, – it, it, I really could care less one way or the other. I, I I mean, I like the overall arching of the game where they let them play for the most part and flags weren't really prevalent. So, uh, again, I have no real issue with the call because he had a handful of jerseys, so technically it is pass interference. But the issue is that you kind of um, let them play earlier in the game. But, again, I could care less one way or the other. It, it's always back to that adage that it's, you're close enough in a game that a penalty decides it, then you didn't play your best type of thing. So uh, kind of my stance on it there. Fair. Matt. Um, I was surprised that the flag did come out, just given how the the rest of the game had gone. I don't like the call necessarily because it definitely has the impact of the game. Like the refs know at that point that the game's over with that call. So I don't like that that side of things is into play. I'm sure we'll talk more about it, though, that Green Bay had already lost the game, in my opinion, before that had happened. So. It's tough to be too mad. Um, like I said, surprising that they made the call the way they did. Um, but, you know, if, if you're looking at it, it was the right call. There were other jersey pulls throughout the night that I had noticed, but that one seemed a little more egregious than the other ones that had been let go. So um, I would say that right call, but wrong time. Yeah, and I, I think that was, that was my point. There was maybe one or two calls that I felt were um... – as egregious as as that one that you know that that were let go throughout the game. Now, obviously, there there was things throughout the game that were let go that could have been called, but you know, regardless of the the, the time the time point and the the scenario around the game, um, that one that one was was about you know one or two in, in the most flagrant of, of calls. Um, in the game and, and, and people may not like it. Uh, people can, can, you know, we can talk about consistency. We've talked about consistency, uh, with NFL officiating for the, the entire course of time we've been doing this program. So uh, th- that, that's nothing new. Um, but the, yeah, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, I, I thought that call was a good one. You can argue about different ones. I thought that one was a good one. We'll talk obviously a little bit more, um, about that point, Matt, that the, that the Packers had kind of dug their own grave at that point. But, but Sean, your thoughts on the call? Well, I mean, it's definitely pass interference. I mean, kind of like Dave alluded to, it, it was a pretty uh, obvious uh, call if, if you're looking at it from a rule perspective. But 
but yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't that catchable of a ball. I mean, it was definitely catchable. Uh, but I mean, to be honest, I don't think he needed to grab that jersey to stop the play from from being a success. Now you don't know that doing the play, um, but but I'm you know kind of like it's already been talked about. I, I, I think that the the consistency piece, the fact that that uh, type of penalty had been uh, going on the entire time, uh, kind of uncalled. You've been letting him handshake. Like that's the trouble is you you built that play up to be something that's talked about because you let the hand checking and you let the playing go. Uh, it's near the line of scrimmage. It's not downfield. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, there was a couple calls on similar plays during the game uh, that happened. So, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's in, in the spirit of what Matt said. If you if you don't want that call to decide the game, then then take the lead while you have the ball. I, it, it's hard to really blame it on the call, but but I do think that it was probably a poor choice, especially as late as the flag came in. Uh, it started to look a little, a little. I weak mean, there. yeah, that, that's that. That didn't look great because I mean, it was. It, it didn't was, help the situation. No, but it was about one of the only. It was about one of the only moments in the game, and I mean, I wasn't that game. I wasn't watching, you know, with 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 eagle eyes the the whole game because uh, the Capitals were on as well at that point. So I was watching more of the Caps game. But there was there wasn't you know a, a a missed call or a bad call to to my recollection at any point in the game where where I was like you know like that had to be called immediately when when the ball sailed and I saw the grab of the jersey I was like there has to like there has to be a flag and I I was like more shocked that there wasn't one and you know and then it came in late so um you know and, and that goes back to issues with with guys asking for flags and and you know they come in late a lot that that has been a predominant problem in the in the NFL for um you know going on the better part of a decade or more now and and it seems to be getting worse and worse and worse um but but really you know you go back to you know the series before and there's obviously other points but especially that series before um you know is a couple of straight second down third down odd calls but then the decision to to kick the field goal um, I thought really was, was one of the most, um, like cowardly and, and just the most baffling decisions from, from a coaching and a play call standpoint. Um, and I, and I see Scotty here says the same thing. He says more mad about the fourth down call by the Packers. Um, and, and I mean, you heard it in, in Aaron Rodgers post game comments is, is he's like, if I would have known we were kicking, I would have done something a whole lot different on third down. Um, which there's, there's, I think deeper issues there, which people have kind of called into question, uh, where Aaron Rodgers might, might end up being next year. But, you know, the, the, the Packers I felt did kind of seal their own fate when they, they, you know, you can call it chickening out, you can call it, uh, you know, playing weak whatever way you want to describe it. But uh, I just feel like when, when you're in a game, uh, especially in a game where, where you know the, the the Bucks were way out in front and, and the Packers battled back. Why? Why? I don't understand going conservative at that point. It just it, that that one really confused me, and I don't know if that's a young coach just being inexperienced in that moment or what. It just uh, it was very confusing. Sean, we'll start with you on the way back. The the Packers coaching decisions. Well, yeah, and and I think I mean obviously you're kicking the three to avoid the two. I guess, um, you know, instead of letting it hang on one play, you're, you're trying to give Aaron Rodgers a series of plays there is the idea. Uh, you're, either way, you're going to need your defense to make a stand. 
Uh, but but on fourth, I mean, you're not going to get any closer. Um, the, the bigger issue for me wasn't so. I mean, it wasn't a coaching decision. It was uh, Aaron Rodgers was scrambling right. I think it was on third down on that drive, uh, second or third down, and he's scrambling right, and he's got the whole field open in front of him. Uh, is he definitely going to get in? I don't know, but he's going to get at least to the two or three, and he winds up throwing. Uh, you know, I guess it would have been second down because he wound up getting some yards after that. But he, he he throws into like triple coverage to try to squeeze one to Devontae Adams in the middle of the field. And I thought that from from an Aaron Rodgers that I know, it, it just seemed like a really questionable decision. I mean, obviously, it's a real speed and, and, and you know, you you want to get it in the hands of your best guy. Yeah, but I, and I his angle is a, a lot different than ours. So he may have seen something that, that we can't. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, if he thinks he can put it in there, he probably can. But uh, it looked like plenty of defenders to stop it. And and I felt like, you know, for, for a guy that's made a lot of his career getting outside the pocket and, and, and picking up those yards with his feet, it was kind of a disappointing play for me. But, but yeah, I, I don't understand not going for it. I mean, statistically, and when you get all your analytics guys really broke it down, uh, the difference between, you know, the risk of doing either really isn't that different. You still, you know, because the idea is if you, if you go for it and you force your defense onto the field, um, you know, you have them in a pretty good spot and, and you need them to make a stop anyway. Um but I, I don't know. I mean, they almost made a stand again there, and when they gave the ball back, so and I guess they were know, look. I guess they it were looking looks more questionable. I think that it is because if the defense makes a stop, Rodgers gets the ball, whether he scores on the last drive or not, it, nobody's really going to question it at that point. No, uh, it's the fact that you know, and they, for all intents and purposes, if the flag was a mistake, they would have forced a, an opportunity, most likely to to get the ball back and, and at least have a shot at it. But you know, anytime Rodgers has a hail mary option, it's it's still possible. You know, and I guess that you know they're they're looking at the fact that they were down eight. Um, so if you kick the field goal, uh, then you're down five. All you need is a touchdown to to win. But that goes back to a coaching decision of going for two, uh, probably prematurely earlier in the second half. Um, which you know, so, yeah, that's what got me is they went for two. You earlier know, so, so there's there's kind of a trying to avoid going for two at the end <laughs> of the game. Um, baffling. You know, so it, it just. There seem to be a lot of questionable things. Scotty here says um, Kevin King cost the Packers a game with Scott Miller's touchdown before halftime. I mean, oh, King was a liability. He was a liability, but well, but in the same time, I mean, retired. but I mean, it's hard to say that that you can cost a team a game before halftime. I mean, it certainly did not help. Uh, it did not it help. It wasn't just that play. No, he got burned on several plays and was out of position <laughs> on others. It was a it was a horrendous day for him. He should change his last name, but he's uh, not the king of anything. You know, and when 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 Tommy smells blood, when Tommy smells blood, he goes for it. So, uh, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, elaborating on the the Packers' uh, coaching decisions. Yeah, I mean, I saw what Sean saw. I mean, it looked like wide open green for Aaron Rodgers on that play. I was kind of surprised that he pulled it back and threw it into double coverage there. Um, I mean, I guess trying to get Adams a, a touchdown playoffs. I don't know what the logic was there, um, but it, it just seemed like a questionable decision from a guy that we have seen pull that ball in and run for the first down touchdown before. So um, I didn't get it. Um, I kind of understood what they were trying to do with the field goal. I mean, Tom had not looked great in the second half. He threw multiple interceptions. Um, defense had stood up a few times, so I, I get what they were going for. But when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and you have the game on the line kind of at that moment, I think I'm taking my chances 
trying to get the touchdown there. And if not, then we're resting our defense and we're at the eight yard line and we're pinning them back with good field position if we if we get the ball back then. So that would have been my line of thought, um, but I'm not an NFL coach uh, by any means or even close to, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. they say. <laughs> Uh, Jake here says, uh, you can say Kevin King lost them. Uh, Dave, your no thoughts, doubt. you said your thoughts on, um, some of the Packers coaching decisions down, the, down the line. Yeah. So the, the, uh, the, the first thing I wanted to touch on was the, the early two point conversion. I think that that's the right move, um, because it gives you the opportunity that if you miss it, you're still in it later on. So it kind of gives you two chances versus just one that you really only need one of them type of thing. Um, doesn't really make a huge difference one way or the other. Uh, the, the other thing is I think that if, if Rogers takes off there and runs, it com- it probably completely changes your, your, your situation later in the game there, a couple plays later, because instead of it being eight yards to go, you're probably at three or less realistically. I mean, I think we can all, well, five or less. I think we can all agree to get to the five yard line at least. And again, Minimal. you take your chance, you take your chances with, I mean, Jim could have gotten to the seven and a half. So, um, we'll, we'll take our, close, we'll take our close. Chances. I was giving you the fall forward, so <laughs> I was saying they tackle him forward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I mean, I think you you you're down that close. You uh, to me, if and again, I don't know the the analytics seem like from everything I've seen, it's you know within five to ten percent one way or the other. But um, regardless, you, in my opinion, you go for it. You give Rodgers another chance, and I mean, you got one of the best QBs in the game right now with a chance to you know ten yards out and. If he doesn't get it, you're in the same position that you were in by kicking the field goal. You're still down one damn score. So, I mean, I, I'd rather have a chance from the 10-yard line to, to wing something in than, than from the 50 with Rodgers. I mean, even if everything plays out perfectly, you're probably not getting the ball much across the field there. So, um, I, I don't understand the logic of not going for it. I mean, anytime you can cut an eight-point game to a five-point game with two minutes left seems kind of pretty odd, idiotic to me, but... Uh, it's also probably a reason I'm sitting on my uh, couch being a quarterback coach <laughs> on Monday morning. So, uh, what do I know? There's though? plenty of reasons. There's plenty of reasons. <laughs> um, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, because obviously you know we, the 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 Buccaneers, Tom Brady is tenth Super Bowl. We ran down the list of accolades last week. We don't need to do that again. I know nope. uh, Dave's still recovering from from hearing all of those accolades, um, but. Aaron Rodgers, you know the, the the we the post game presser, he, you know, kind of kind of made a couple of comments alluding to uh, some coaching decisions, this and that. There's been some speculation that uh, this is a guy that that wants out, that um, you know feels that he's going to be able to find his way out of of Green Bay um, after this year. Do you guys think there's actually actually some smoke to that, or is this just uh, you know? Monday morning quarterbacking after after what was a, a close and uh, difficult loss for the loss for the Packers. Do you think uh, come start of next year? I mean, I you don't even. I, I'm not even going to put my input in because I had Rogers traded traded at the trade deadline this year. So yeah, you my, had him by like week four. My uh, <laughs> my my points is is in completely invalid on this one. Uh, but do you guys think that uh, Aaron Rodgers is the uh, quarterback for the Packers next year, Sean? Yes, Matt. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of it's speculation. I, I do, and uh, the Packers have come out and said otherwise. I don't. I don't see a lot of ways he. Why go somewhere else? You're one of the best of all time. That's fair, Matt. Yeah, I, I think he wants to continue that legacy in Green Bay. 
Um, I mean, he has to kind of look at what his predecessor did and Favre's career upon leaving Green Bay. Do you want to go down that road or do you want to give it one more shot, maybe two more shots with a team that you know very well? Uh, you have a very good running back, a great receiving core, um, and a really shitty defense. So, you know, get that turned around in the offseason. Packers probably be right back where they were. Uh, Dave, how about you? So I'm going to say that Dave answered and say I don't know. Um, I, I was I saw a couple internet quotes today, and I was uh, didn't have a chance to follow up on them that much. But I saw that Rogers apparently had some pretty intriguing comments today to the media. It might have been yesterday, and getting my days mixed up. Um, but he he pretty much, uh, from what I saw on, on an, the analyst report, saying that he pretty much is putting the Packers on notice that if they dick around in the draft again and don't get him some help. Again, whether that means offensive line, defensive line, receivers, et cetera. Yeah, that's pretty open, uh, open-ended, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if that's, you know, he wants more involvement in the draft or, or what he's saying there. But uh, I think some of it, too, depends on what happens with some of your other quarterbacks and, and movement. I mean, if he can, you know, perfect example, and I'm not saying that this happens by any sense of the means, but if, if Brady retires and there's a huge quarterback opening in Tampa Bay and you have those, you know, those four amazing receivers and, and running backs there, what quarterback wouldn't want to go and, and hop on a, a you know front-run contender like that? So um, I think he stays in Green Bay, um, but I think that uh, it's going to get very hairy, to say the least. Well, the big thing to worry about if you're hopping on a Tampa train or something like that is because currently like you're still going to be known as one of the best of all time, but you have this little monkey on your shoulder of like, well, I, I couldn't quite do it another time. Like I, only one. I mean, one's good enough as far as I'm concerned, but like, you know, people are, are kind of hanging that on him, like of all the near misses. Going to a Tampa Bay, I don't think helps that, because even if you win it, it's not going to be because you. Right, you did just it. did it with Tom. It's going to be because you just like went and like helped it. Like it's, it's like it's, I feel like it's almost like you know LeBron didn't do that, but he gets called that all the time. Well, and is it is like, it oh, what you be... went and bought a title or, or you went and did. Like, I just feel like it, it's not going to help your legacy at all. And, and I think, like, Matt's kind of alluding to it. Beyond a team like that, I mean, I, I would argue Green Bay's offense is maybe not as, like, power-packed in names, st- like, categories. But I don't know. It's one of the better offenses in football. I, I don't know that you necessarily pick one over. But, like, the, okay, so let's let's just let's say that Brady and the Bucks win the Super Bowl this year. Aaron Rodgers goes – to Tampa next year, Brady retires. He's like, you know what? I, I won seven. I've won more than any team has. Uh, I'm done, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Brady's going to play at least two or three more seasons. Um, Ten. Uh, <laughs> he might at this point, but um, fifty-two. Let's just let's just play it out. And, and and Tom retires. Aaron Rodgers goes there. He's like, all right, cool. This team's lined up. Defense is great. Receivers. He goes there and doesn't. Win the Super Bowl doesn't even yeah. make the Super Bowl. I you know because there there are people that have called Aaron Rodgers uh, like resume in question because he won one early and just hasn't been able to like replicate that success. And and I mean when you win one, it, it's one thing. And I mean his his numbers and and everything else he's done, it's not like he's a Trent Dilfer. Like let's not try and confuse things. Um, you know he is one of the the best quarterbacks. Um, you know in this generation, but. Does it hurt his legacy more if he if he would go to Tampa next year and and can't win? I I, I think it's more damaging. Like if 
if I'm him, you know, if you go anywhere, which I, I don't know that he does, but I, I think it's more damaging if you try and ride, you know, Tom Brady's coattails and you can't get can't get back to the Super Bowl, can't win it. Um, any 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 thoughts on that? Well, I, I think, like I said, it's not going to help his cause to go down there, and and you know, as far as his legacy goes, we know he's one of the greatest of all sure. time. I mean, the fact that. Is he going to get named as the best? No, because he's not Tom Brady. Like he's not going to be. Right. But, um, but I mean, you have other guys that like have. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has almost uh, the, the winning percentage of Peyton Manning. I, I believe Aaron Rodgers is currently sitting third in regular season winning percentage. And if you look at the postseason, Peyton Manning and a couple other guys, I think even Drew Brees, like these guys aren't exactly like mountains and, and miles ahead of 50% in the playoffs. These guys are, you know, Peyton Manning, I'm pretty sure, has pretty much about a 50% win percentage um, in the playoffs. But, you know, he did get his uh, second. You know, he lost in one Super Bowl. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, kind of calling into question guys' winning percentage, the fact that Andy Reid had to deal with that for years of like, well, you get there, but you can't. Like, people that Jim, say that Jim have Kelly. no idea, have Jim, no idea right. how hard it is like once that funnel narrows down to your your eight best teams and you're playing against the best defenses in football and the best coordinators and coaching staffs in football and the guys that are going to just make you look – once you're in that pool, anybody can beat you. Yeah, any, I mean, any, Jim, any I mean Jim Kelly made it to four straight. You know, and, and – Even the Browns can, apparently. They did that <laughs> this year. You know, like that, that Bills team in the 90s, you know, th- you know they may not have won – a single Super Bowl, but like, you know, whether people want to call it a dynasty or not, it's dynasty adjacent at worst. You made it a four Super Bowls, you know, like it just so happened you you ran into uh, a, a Cowboys team that that was a juggernaut, and and you had you know a, and a gi- Mark Rippin, you know, a Giants and a Redskins team, but um, near you know, Hall of Famer Mark Rippin, Mark, near yeah. near. Near, yeah. I mean, if he would have gotten he stood that, outside at once, if he, he, he would have gotten that thing. second one, but uh, yeah. but yeah, well, you know, uh, Jake here says um, it's Rogers being Rogers, sports media wanting a story. He said he think he's saying as well. Ultimately, I think he does too. Um, I, I think if I, I think if Rogers is is going to end up outside of Green Bay, it's going to be a situation like I thought could have happened this year, where the team's just that bad. The, you know, and and the writing's on the wall, and and you trade him to a contender. I don't think it's By the way. Fun stat for Dave uh, with with his win on Sunday. Tom Brady has now tied Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees with one NFC Championship in his career. Uh, same number as as Drew and Drew and uh, Aaron. So so congrats to Tom on uh, just one more check. Just to make it known, he's got uh, more NFC championships than the Cowboys since it is uh, true. 94, since 95, 94. whatever that, that is. is true. That is true. In the in the last 25 years, that is that is statistically uh, correct. correct. Um, early Super Bowl storylines. Uh, of course, we'll predict the game next week. Uh, we'll have a we'll have a better uh, we'll have a better line on the game next week. I think it opened at three and a half uh, for the Chiefs. I don't. I haven't looked to see if it's moved. Uh, since then, I'm sure it will move by the time, uh, the game kicks off, but, um, you know, let's go around here, guys, like early, early thoughts on, on where we think the game's at. I mean, I think, uh, what was it? The, the chiefs left tackle out now with the, with the an Achilles injury. So he won't play. I think that is going to obviously help. 
uh, the Buccaneers, whose defense has come on big time um, over the uh, over the course of, of the last few weeks of the season and through the playoffs, um, which has been one of the storylines. Um, you know, it's it's I, I think this is a great Super Bowl matchup. Personally, uh, you know, you have you know the 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 old the old guy that that had the old dynasty. You have you know potentially the start of a new one. Uh, with the Chiefs and and Patrick Mahomes, um, I, I don't think I don't think you get I don't think you get uh, many better matchups when you looked at the playoff field uh, this year and and you know old versus new and young versus old and new team and new legacies and all of that. Uh, so, Dave, your your thoughts on any of the the early storylines to uh, Super Bowl Fifty Five? Yeah, so I think uh, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a hell of a game. Um, you, you got probably the two uh, the two best uh, and most fun teams that are going to be, uh, you know, just with players and storylines that you could could have gotten there, in my opinion. Um, I, I think that uh, are, we're not doing any predictions at this point, just to be clear on that, or are we looping those in too with this? I mean, no official ones. I mean, if you want to throw out who you think will win at this point, you can do that, but it, it, we will officially predict the game next week. All right. Well, my opinion is not going to be changing, um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at this from a, you know, you, the, the first things that I'm looking at games to break them down is really with, uh, you know, who's got the better lines and, and Tampa Bay has the better offensive line, the better defensive line, statistically speaking. Um, they're getting Antonio Brown back in all likelihood, plus the injury that you mentioned on the, uh, to the tackle there for Kansas City. So, um, I am fully on Tampa Bay here. Um, I do have a, a Tampa Bay future from earlier in the year, 35 to one, 40 to one. So we're going to keep riding that. Um, also grab Tampa Bay three and a half on the line open. So, uh, you know, it's still on Tampa Bay here, sadly that the old man's going to unfortunately teach, uh, another trick to everyone just to, to pr- again, prove how he is the greatest. And it's, uh, going to be terrible to watch but uh it, it's the right side tampa's the tampa's the right side uh just with the weapons and everything uh the, now the the one caveat on that is if, if uh uh given the advantages on the line that tampa's going to have if if holding is not called uh it's gonna and you have a repping crew that's not a big holding crew uh that's something that could really benefit kansas city you look at the the super bowl last year um there was not a single holding call in the 47 times that patrick Mahomes. uh drop back so that's something that can really uh swing and play the play the uh game a little bit so um little factors like that have a huge output on the course of you know the the whole game but uh i'm definitely liking uh tampa bay here without a doubt uh straight up of course uh matt your thoughts on some of the early storylines going in towards the super bowl yeah i mean i think the big focus is just going to be the storyline of Tampa Bay being the first team to play for the super bowl in their home stadium um you know because of course why wouldn't that happened um, <laughs> of all years. Uh, I, I think there was kind of the passing of the guard storyline before with Tom and, and Patrick. So I think that this time uh, they'll really play up that, that QB battle. Um, I, I don't think the Tampa Bay secondary has the speed to keep up with Kansas city. I think that's the only reason why I'm hesitant to lean towards Tampa Bay uh, I mean, if if the refs let them hand check all day like they were against Green Bay, then I would definitely be wrong with that. But um, I just don't think in terms of keeping up with them down the field, 
um, and Mahomes' ability to kind of get outside the pocket, I think that's going to be the difference maker. If he has more than, you know, three seconds to let his guys get open, I think it'd be a long day for that Tampa Bay defense because as good as their front line is, uh, that secondary has always just kind of been a question mark. I mean, we even saw it against Green Bay. There were a lot of deep passes uh, from Rodgers that just corners getting burnt and the Packers do not have the speed at wide receiver that the Chiefs do. Yeah, no doubt. Sean? Yeah, I think the secondary is definitely a, a storyline uh, in itself. Obviously, he had uh, one safety uh, miss the championship game and another get hurt in it. Uh, obviously, two weeks should help that. You kind of got to keep an eye on their health, however. They're, they're, they're definitely going to need safety help uh, with Kansas City. Um the, the pass rush is probably the, the, the biggest storyline, and Dave alluded to it with the tackle injury. I, I think uh, Tampa's pass rush, uh, if, if they can do what they did, because I mean, Pat, Pat Mahomes, when given time to throw, is, is more effective than just about any. But, but, um, but, but the pass rush, if they can get to Mahomes, if, if Mahomes winds up on his back, you know, even half the drive, you know, one, one down out of every uh, half the drives that he drops back, um, I, I think Tampa's got a real good shot at winning it. Um, I'm, I'm also currently just, just kind of still high on the Chiefs. I, I think Andy Reid throws a lot more, um, you know, disguised packages and a lot more looks than, than Tampa's used to seeing, uh, you know, even in a very offensive, uh, you know, kind of division with, with New Orleans and Sean Payton. I feel like that offense got a lot more boring this year and just still lost to them twice. Um, but uh, there's a lot of speed. Hilaire's healthy. Hilaire looked good. I, th- I think in in the championship game, uh, as good as he has uh, since uh, being out for that amount of time and with two more weeks, uh, I, I think the addition of Hilaire to the offense and kind of that offset with Williams, I, I thought their backfield looked as effective as it has in quite a long time, especially compared to a Le'Veon Bell. So that just adds another look uh, to things. But I, I like Tyreek Hill to have a pretty big game or at least have a lot of looks in this game, especially with the success Devontae Adams was happening, happening against that secondary. But yeah, super excited that it's a, a my hometown uh, here uh, in the Super Bowl should really help the COVID situation down here um, <laughs> in a state where masks aren't required. Nobody and, has to do anything. And Sean, don't do worry. You want. also have you also have uh, you know between thirty and sixty thousand wrestling fans coming in uh, in yeah. in, in seventy four so days. It's not as just well. the fans at the game. It's it's it's, it's <laughs> the bars and the breweries and the parties and the like. I mean, if, if I was in Philadelphia, I was back home, you know, Philadelphia area, and the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, I'd be just as concerned. Uh, because, yeah. you know, who wants to watch their team in the Super Bowl? Like, it's easier for some of us to watch this Super Bowl and be like, well, I'll just hang out with uh, with my man Jake, and, and we'll just watch the game in the living room. But if it was my team, like, I'd be like, I want to watch this with every Eagles fan in the world. You know, so it, it becomes this, like, it's that, that temptation, and, and down here with that temptation not being really uh, forced into remission, uh, I, I see that being um, quite the issue down here uh, in the few weeks after the Super Bowl. So something, to look, <laughs> another potential negative storyline of the Super Bowl. Well, and uh, and, and I mean that. that's that's a storyline to watch. I mean the the NFL obviously as the 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 pool of teams that are playing has gotten smaller and smaller. Uh, there hasn't been any positive tests uh, among active yeah. players. But well, welcome to Florida. <laughs> but now you're you're looking at a situation where you have two week, you know, you have a full week off before you really, you know, kind of start a, a different set of of game prep and things like that. 
Now, I, I also think things like uh, your, your media weeks and, and you know, your, your media blitzes so around the cool. Super Bowl are going to be um, a whole lot different this year. You know, the one thing that I've always loved is um, – not only listening to Dan the Dan Patrick show during Super Bowl week, but they're watching their TV simulcast because they always do. You know, they 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 set up a studio um, somewhere near the Super Bowl, and um, they have celebrity guests and and uh, athlete guests and stuff like that, and they they make it a blast. I obviously um, I, I don't imagine that's going to be a thing, and uh, Super Bowl like Media Row is not going to be a thing, and. Um, so that's going to be a lot different. Probably all going to be virtual, like everything has been uh, over the course of the season. Um, you know, but just the the players themselves. Like, does anybody get complacent during this? You know, I don't want to say week off because it's not that they are not preparing, but like all it takes is is you know one person, one you know one person's spouse, one person's girlfriend, one person's you know. Uh, somebody in the in within their their kind of family bubble makes one bad choice, and all of a sudden, you know, it can it can have big consequences. So that is obviously going to be something uh, that is watched, not necessarily this week, but the you know the testing and the testing results uh, once the teams go to uh, go to Tampa next week. Uh, you would hope that by this point, uh, everybody's pretty much locked down um, in all their individual uh, bubbles, but. Um, you know, like I said, it, 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 it can, it, we've seen it. Uh, you know, it's one of these things that can, that we are can looking work. for additional Grubhub and whatever drivers, uh, knowing that Andy Reid's coming to town, uh, <laughs> going to be a lot of, a lot of drive through. There you uh, go. Grubhub. There's, there, there's a, you know, you know, yeah, make sure we get him as Uber eats sign up now. Maybe, maybe no, the Andy Reid orders from more than one of those at the same time. Maybe what you should do is, uh, you, what's, what's that gold belly where you can order this stuff from anywhere in the country, order him some, uh, some like Pats or Genos and then, you know, just deliver it, just just deliver it to the, uh, to the hotel. But I think all that leads to like the other big storyline for me, which going in at least to this point was, uh, Budweiser and and now a couple other sponsors like Coke and Pepsi, uh, pulling their ad money away from the Super Bowl, not buying into the 32nd spots, uh, and giving that money to, uh, kind of just aid in the distribution and awareness of the vaccines, uh, I think that's a pretty uh, positive and uh, definitely a pro a, a, a pro storyline for me. Um, Absolutely, you know, props to those companies for doing so. Uh, might just have to drink Budweiser at some point during the Super Bowl <laughs> just because they did that. I'll say I've 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 always been you know when I was in college, my my one roommate and I would always get a thirty pack of Budweiser and we would split it, and we knew it was safe because nobody else was going to drink it. So I've always yeah. I've always been a Bud guy. So uh, that was cool to see. Um, yeah, and I mean to the vaccination thing as well. Of course, you know, uh, limited fans. I think the the NFL is looking somewhere between twenty and twenty two, twenty three thousand. Um, but around seventy five hundred, I believe, I saw is uh, people that uh, you know, essential workers, healthcare workers uh, that have been vaccinated, um, and they, they will be allowed uh, to to um, go to the game um, on really on the NFL. I think the NFL is is gifting them tickets, and from what I've understand, it's it's people from from all 50 states and and so it's a, it's a pretty cool thing uh the nfl is doing i mean obviously a pretty smart pr move by the league as well let's not lose sight of that i mean it it, it is definitely a pr move um by the nfl but uh, a cool Just make sure you're not inviting any of the eagles medical staff uh, they're not gonna be able to help anybody <laughs> 
Uh, that is the truth. So, guys, let's let's pause here uh, unless anybody has any other thoughts on on you know kind of these early Super Bowl storylines. Just Not got really. one comment to make. Uh, sure. What, what do you think happens if one of the big quarterbacks, uh, Mahomes or Brady, comes down with COVID? Do you think there's any chance they postpone the game if something oh, like that comes postpone. up? Absolutely. Uh, I, I it, it's you know. Not that I'm wishing it. I'm no, 100% not wishing it. But trust me, it, I've it, had it the thought. So interesting on what happens if, and I mean, I I think if your quarterbacks get it, it's one thing. But you know what happens if a uh, if a Tyreek Hill gets it or like a Mike Evans, something like that, like right? Second tier. I think if it's anyone that's a like a like a star seller, a jersey seller, a, a game changer, uh, and I don't know where that stops. Obviously, you have a tackle that's in anything. I think if COVID causes an issue, I think the game moves. I don't think it's a game that's going to hurt for ratings moving later. You're not playing in a city where it's going to get colder or weirder. You already have less hoopla around the stadium anyway. You just move it, and if if a few hundred people can't make the game now that had bought tickets, uh, I don't think they'll have any trouble selling them. So I, I, I say move it. Yeah, I'd say pause them. I think college football had, had kind of had a plan in place. Yeah. Uh, where you know you could you could you could wait a week on the game. I mean, Andy Reid can stay at my house for a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think I think you should absolutely pause if if it's if it's uh, one of the quarterbacks. Um, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was moved back sometime. Um, just because the fans would want the product on the field. I mean, no one wants to see a backup quarterback in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, right? Hey. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, like I said, we like I said I said this last week, you know, um, you know, my 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 wife is is a is a uh is related to Chad Henney through her stepdad. So, uh we we are a Chad Henney house. We would or we would not hate it on the on the other uh on that on that side. So, uh, let's pause here, guys. Uh, I mean, it, like we said, it, it's definitely something that we're going to watch uh, over the course of the next week. But uh, we're going to pause here, and we're going to hear from our sponsor. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, some quarterbacks that are uh, on the move one way or the other. We're going to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Stick with us. Huddle up live. Messages. We'll be right back. Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order? You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis on all things sports. Or check out our podcast on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, subscribe to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports, and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.
Welcome back, Huddle Up Live, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Make sure you are subscribed to the show on uh, all podcast platforms. Make sure you follow us on social media at Huddle Up Podcast, on Twitter, and on Facebook at Huddle Up Pod, on Instagram. And make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel as well. We'd appreciate that. And um, if you're following along in the live video, interact with us and give us a like and a share. We'd appreciate that as many people in here as possible. Never is a bad thing. Um, so we will get to the uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. You know, those uh, those results came out earlier today. Uh, but just a couple more items in the National Football League. Uh, Philip Rivers announcing his retirement uh, this uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, most of his career spent with the uh, San Diego slash L.A. Chargers uh, and uh, finishing up his career with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, his career stats, guys, 240 starts, 64.9% completions, uh, fifth all-time in passing yards with 63,440, fifth all-time in touchdowns, 421, uh, 209 interceptions, a career QBR of 95.2. Uh, but, the, you know, one of the big questions I've seen uh, since the announcement of his retirement is, is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Um, you know, obviously great numbers, uh, was never really able to not only, you know, put it together in the, in, in the playoffs, but, but I always look at, you know, when it, when it came down to the clutch, like, could you trust Philip Rivers? And, you know, you can make arguments about, did he have the cast around him? But I, I, I don't, I never felt that you could trust Philip Rivers when the game was on the line. Um, to me, I think numbers are great. I don't think he is a Hall of Famer. Um, I, you know, I think it's very similar. Oddly enough, when you talk about how their draft when they came into the NFL uh, played out, uh, I think it's very similar to Eli Manning. Uh, the difference with Eli Manning is uh, two Super Bowls. Uh, I, I personally still don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. I think he will be in the Hall of Fame, A, because he's a Manning, and B, because he won those two Super Bowls. But I just, I, I don't, I don't see, I, I don't see Phillip Rivers' resume being strong enough to get him uh, into the Football Hall of Fame. Dave, we'll start with you. Is Phillip Rivers a Hall of Famer? Oh, he's a Hall of Famer in the Gambling Hall of Fame because no one uh, <laughs> covers the back door like Rivers. When you're down 10 with 30 seconds left, he gets you home every time when you got plus six. So uh, there's a there's a huge bonus for that. But uh, he's – he. I mean, the thing you have to consider with Rivers is the era that he's in with all the numbers being inflated and things along those lines. Um, he, his numbers are there, but it's also an inflated era. Um but I think, and I don't want to spoil my rant on this uh, baseball Hall of Fame thing, but I think a lot of the Hall of Fame depends on how the member or the members in the media feel. The media being the main one, and is Rivers liked by the media? And you got to take that into consideration on these borderline guys now, because that's a, a clear component of it. And um, I I think that Rivers is a Hall of Famer, um, not a strong Hall of Famer. I mean, it's not like trying to vote Dan Marino in. Uh, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. It might not be a first ballot type of thing, but uh, I think with his numbers, he gets there. All right, Matt, uh, I saw you shaking your head before I even asked the question. Uh, so is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer? No. Um, I think he has good numbers, but I think at this point in this stage of the NFL that we're seeing where the passing game kind of dominated the NFL, you're going to see a lot of quarterbacks that had really high 
statistical numbers in passing yards, touchdowns, especially if you played, you know, and started over 15 years. So um, I don't think that he did enough in the playoffs to warrant getting to the Hall of Fame. And I don't think his stats are good enough to warrant it on that. And so I think that he's just going to miss out um, much to the chagrin of his 37 children. <laughs> Sean, is Philip Rivers, uh, and we're talking real, not fantasy football, because gaudy fantasy numbers, but uh, is Philip Rivers a pro football Hall of Famer? Well, before I get into my tank, I'd like to apologize to his wife's uterus. Lord knows the punishment <laughs> that's going to take uh, with him not having uh, football to play during the course of the year. Uh, as for as for his career and his legacy going forward, uh, yes, Philip Rivers, uh, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. Philip Rivers, um, we're talking about a guy uh, that, I mean, 17 years, eight-time Pro Bowler, pretty good. And like you said, the, the, the stats are going to be inflated, um, you know, just kind of in general in this era. And you're, and you're going to have these guys. You're going to have the, um, you know, is – Matt Stafford, a Hall of Famer conversation in a couple years. You're going to have the, is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? I think both those guys are. And I think the issue is, is like, yes, it's a different era of the league. But nobody really said that about running backs when it was that era of the league. They're just all, like, really high on a list. So they all just kind of like, yeah, well, they beat Walter Payton. So they're in, (laughs) you know, like, it's, 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 you know, with running backs, you don't have the issue of, like, well, they don't have any playoff wins, like, you know, people forget that there was an area where the, the, the wins and losses weren't hung on the quarterback. They still are in everybody's minds, but it wasn't necessarily the way the game played out. And to me, I think with these guys, if they're in that top echelon of passing, I, I think you just got to let them in and let the fans be like, you know what? Because uh, unfortunately, sometimes when the media does vote, uh, like like Dave alluded to, you get guys in that, you know, maybe, oh, well, he shouldn't be in. Or you go, how did that guy not get in? And it's it's – you know, it, it's brought up a lot of times. Should coaches, should players be involved in the Hall of Fame process? And I'll tell you this, if people in the league were involved, Phillip Rivers would be in a lot faster than he's probably going to get in. I think he's liked by a lot of people in the league. Uh, you know, he's just kind of one of those funny guys, uh, just kind of the, the, the dog and everybody without cursing, I think is hilarious. Uh, like he's on referees all the time using like made up swear words. I think it's hilarious. Um but I don't know, 95%. Or 95 well, he has to make up swear words. Rating. He has 47 kids. Two to, two to one touchdown to pick ratio. And I don't know. I don't see any reason why not. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was the MVP of the 2000 Micron PC.com bowl. He's clearly a professional football Hall of Famer. I don't know. I, I think he was a great face of the league. I think he kept the Chargers relevant for a really long time. And he was very influential in the fact that because of him, Drew, Bros, Drew Brees went to New Orleans and wound up doing way better than he would have. Um, anywhere else. Uh, so, um, yeah, give me Philip Rivers in the, in the Hall of Fame. I think he's a, his bust will be will be hilarious, and you can just kind of build little busts of his kids all <laughs> well, around. Well, well, they put a bolo a bolo tie on the bust. That's the question. If he gets in. Oh, I certainly hope so. Uh, I, I imagine, does he get to make that call? What they, they, is he like, this is what I want my bust to be wearing? Do they get to choose that? I would, I would, I would, I would so. hope. I would hope so. Like, whatever you're wearing when you get the cast made, or like, what are they, like just, yeah, just put this on there. <laughs> Um, another one, and uh, you know, and this uh, this isn't a quarterback uh, who is retiring, but you you brought him up about potential future Hall of Famer is Matthew Stafford. Um, we you know we saw the reports uh, he will not be back in Detroit. 
uh, next season. Um, I don't think there's anybody happier about that decision than Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think he's <laughs> probably wanted out of Detroit uh, for a number of years. Um, but there's a lot of intriguing places uh, that that he could that he could land. Um, you know, there's obviously, you know, the rumors about Houston and, and what's going to happen to Sean Watson. There's Indianapolis needs a quarterback now. Um, you know, there's the, you know, the, the Cowboys, you know, they don't have a quarterback, uh, under contract for next year, uh, a starting quarterback. There's, there's tons of places, uh, with a lot of intriguing storylines. Uh, where do you think Sean will start with you? Where do you think Matthew Stafford, uh, is under center next year? I, I think it's 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 very early to make that call. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to shake out with uh, with NFL draft day. Uh, you're going to have a lot of your. I, I don't think it's going to be with a low ball team. I feel like any of those teams that are, you know, in the first few picks of the draft, um, they're they're going to find their guy as best they can and kind of go with what they have. Uh, I like those middle of the pack teams. Like I, I like the idea of Indianapolis, who is in a rare position to hop one year after one year from like nearly retired quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, they, they could hop from a Phillip Rivers to a Matt Stafford to maybe a late career Aaron Rodgers to like a Tom Brady at age 50. Like they could do all that and just never have to draft one. Well, and, and I mean, riding. they're a team that, I mean, everything else is, is ready to roll. You have a great defense. Yeah. You have a great running game. You have, you know, you have a really good receiving core, solid tight ends, pretty decent offensive line. Um, you know, like that—that that seems like a team that is really just a quarterback away. Yeah, and and I think like an interesting team when you're like whether it's Matt Stafford or not, I don't think he's the right choice. But an interesting team in the QB mix is going to be Houston, in that whatever Deshaun Jot or Deshaun Watson decides to do, um, or whatever he decides to force a hand, uh, they may be looking for one. So. I don't know. I, I think Matt Stafford could wind up, uh, unfortunately, I, or fortunately for him, I think he still has enough in the tank. He's not going to wind up, you know, holding a clipboard anywhere. Uh, so, so that's good. But but I, I would say my early runnings would probably be either like Indianapolis, maybe a Miami situation if they feel two is not ready. But I, I don't see that being a scenario. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't see it being any of those um, first uh, handful of teams to draft. Going to be somebody in the middle. Uh, Matt. Where do you think Matthew Stafford ends up? Um, well, it's definitely going to be an AFC team. Uh, I don't foresee the Lions traded him within the conference. Um, so aside from the teams mentioned, I'd say the one that hasn't been mentioned yet that I could see being a possibility just because they don't really seem married to their quarterback, and that would be the Las Vegas Raiders. Um I think that he would be an interesting quarterback for them to have out there, um, barring what they want to do moving forward. I don't think they see Carr as kind of their answer. So I, mean, I could see them. Yeah, right. So I could <laughs> see them making that move to bring him in um, just to kind of get some flash into that new team, new city still, because I don't even think Las Vegas people are really thrilled about Carr either. So if you make a <laughs> a big splash with a trade like that. I think it gets people in Vegas more excited about the franchise that they now have. Uh, Dave, where do you think Matthew Stafford uh, ends up next season? 
think it's going to be very interesting on where he goes, and some of that's going to um, ultimately decide depend on what uh, Deshaun does. Um, I've heard that Deshaun's going Jets and or Dolphins are the two that uh, he's most interested in. Again, whether how true that is or anything else, uh, uh, who really knows? But uh, I think there's the the more important, interesting issue with that is that it's pretty clear that the Dolphins aren't uh, overly set on Tua, which is kind of an interesting development. Um, but back to the question at hand, I, I think the one team that's very intriguing. Uh, that I've heard have had have had some interest in uh, in Stafford is the New England Patriots, and just putting him on that team would be very interesting to see what what happens and with Belichick uh, how that works out type of thing would just be very interesting to see. Uh, dynamically speaking, it, it would kind of uh, give him a proven quote unquote quarterback. I mean, proven with the Lions, but uh, still someone that has a clue compared to the. Uh, clown that they had there previously, so um, we'll we'll take that how that goes. But uh, I think New England would be very interesting. Caps just scored with uh, twenty six. The Caps are down to two centers, two healthy centers. Uh, Eller went off injured. Baxter went off injured. Uh, Justin Schultz, new capital this year, just scored uh, to take a three two lead. Uh, the Caps hopefully looking to avoid what would be the first time they've ever gone to five straight uh, overtime games. Uh, if they can, uh, if they can get the win here, well, I know a lot of Caps fans, and and Davey, I know you're one with me. Uh, like I've seen some Caps fans mad about like how this team always goes to overtime and loses. I'm like, the fact that we're making all these games go to overtime with uh, this depleted roster between injuries and uh, COVID exempt list, I'm actually pretty excited uh, about the early developments with this roster um, in the uh, Laviolette era. I, I could just tell you it makes me real happy because we go to overtime in these divisional games and we're pissing off both the Flyers and Penguins fans at once. So screw them both. Exactly. I mean, that, like that—that's the thing. It's like normally you you go out to Anaheim and you lose in overtime. You know, it's not not that big of a deal. But you know, the other weekend when you had the two game series against the Penguins, the Penguins win two games, but only they only get back two points because the Caps earned a point in each one. So so. Uh, overtime becomes a lot more interesting in the NHL, uh, this season. But, uh, you know, I was going to, I was thinking about new England, uh, about a potential interesting landing spot for Matthew Stafford, but another one, and it's going to depend on new England. I would buy that. It's going to depend on what Alex Smith decides to do in Washington, because the, the, you know, there's, I think he released a statement at the end of the season that like all options are on the table. Uh, obviously considering retirement, I think a big thing in his life was, was to get back to the NFL, but then you had the calf injury late in the year and, and, you know, you maybe start to question, um, you know, do I really want to risk any more injury? Uh, because here's the thing, like Alex Smith, I think is a, is a pretty smart, uh, NFL guy. I think he could end up, uh, as an offense or a quarterback's coach, um, you know, pretty quickly a- after he chooses to retire. And then obviously it'd be a lot safer. I think Washington um, could be a very interesting team. Caps finish off the win there, three uh, two over the Islanders. Uh, but I think Washington's a team to watch in in the Stafford uh, sweepstakes. Uh, if if the um, if uh, Alex Smith does choose to retire, uh, final topic tonight, guys. Before we uh, before we get out of here, um, and and you know this came through this evening. Uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Baseball Writers Association of America, uh, you have to hit 75% of the votes. And for the first time since 2013, there will uh, not be anyone inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame this year. Kurt Schilling 
uh, received the most votes, 71.1%. He fell 16 votes short. Uh, Barry Bonds, 61.8. Roger Clemens, 61.6. Scott Rowland, 52.9. Omar Vizquel, 49.1. Billy Wagner, 46.4. Todd Helton, 44.9. Kurt Schilling has since reacted to this. Uh, and said that that he actually uh, does not want to be even included in the voting next year, wants to leave it up to the uh, Veterans Committee uh, at a later point. I mean, I think uh, he sees the writing on the wall. I think for guys like Bonds and Clemens, uh, the writing is on the wall uh, as well. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to Schilling, because I think that's the most um, most divisive of, of, of the group that, that is not um, – you know, not been voted in. Um, but the, you know, Bonds and Clemens, you know, growing up, uh, you know, these are two guys that, that were huge in the game of baseball. But, you know, we, we've we've kind of seen over the years the, the decision to uh, kind of disclude uh, some or all of, of, of the steroid era um, from, from the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, has been a controversial decision uh, over the years. And and my stance has always kind of been this: like you're, I I don't necessarily feel bad for the guys because I mean everybody made their their choices, but in the same time, it, when you don't include a certain sector because of, of of steroids, you're you're basically creating a gap in the in the baseball hall of fame because there's going to come a point where it's like. Well, what happened between uh, you know ninety one and two thousand? You know, uh, when you're looking at guys that are in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I, I always kind of thought it is this: is is you almost have to just kind of steer into the skid and be like, this was an era of baseball. We can't we can't necessarily avoid it. It's history. It was there. If you look at the history of of professional baseball, it's going to be there. Uh, I, I I don't necessarily think that these guys should be discluded. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you on this one. Well, yeah, I mean, I've always, I've always kind of been on the uh, on the train of um, like it's just so hard. I mean, we have some positive tests, we have other like alluded positive tests, we have uh, hearsay of like, well, I saw this guy doing it, and uh, we have these receipts and those doctors, and and there's been a lot of question marks with that whole generation. And you know, you look at some guys that that are from that generation that are that are either in or going to be very soon, and and you have, uh, you know, you have your Ken Griffey Juniors and your Cal Ripkins and these other guys that everybody is, you know, I mean, are they a hundred percent sure they never took steroids? Can you be a hundred percent sure? Uh, I, I don't mean, think I mean, you can. Griffey wound up with injuries late in his career, and and you know he never, you know, inflated his body or anything. But um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, when you have a guy like Ricky Henderson in the Hall of Fame, there is no doubt in my mind Ricky Henderson was one of the fellas taking steroids during that era. Like, like I, 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 there's no positive test to prove it. There's none of that. And, and maybe with the guys that have these tests hanging over them, that's going to be a thing. But I, I think there's an element in my mind of like an all or nothing mentality when it comes to that generation of baseball, where if you're not going to let guys in because they set records or they did things during that era, tests or not, then, then why should anybody else who played in that era and, you know, if it was that competitive that guys were taking steroids to keep their starting job, who's to say that guy that played second base an extra year or two didn't set any records but had a pretty long career and gets in? Like, a, you know, Billy Ripken, not good enough to get in. <laughs> right. Well, may have taken steroids. Brady Anderson, 
not good enough to get in. Definitely took steroids. Definitely took steroids. I'm an Orioles fan. The guy went from like, the guy went from being he, like a stick figure to, to his career home run numbers were like 11, 15, 7, 55, 52, 47, 48. Like, uh, yeah, somebody was was on the juice. I heard he had an ear infection. Got prescribed something for it. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. It anyway, was a um, nasal spray. But I guess that's that's kind of one of my points, and 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 it's hard. When you went, like I said, like for for you and me, like you alluded to, and, and for an entire generation of baseball fans, these were the guys they they grew up watching. Like some of them that are still into baseball, like these are the guys that got them there. And don't forget that that era was pretty much like just kind of like we aren't looking because they needed it to save baseball. Like I, I, I'm with you. I say let the fans make up their mind. It's kind of along the lines of that the the passing records that I, I talked about earlier. If you don't think he should be there, don't look at his statue. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to count the record if you don't want to. Like, don't be like, oh, there's an asterisk next to the 700. Fine. But it's really hard. You know, if I'm looking at, like, my son and, like, we wind up in Cooperstown one year and he's a baseball fan and he's like, well, Dad, who has the most hits in baseball? And I got to explain why he's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, who has the most home runs? Well, he's also not here. And I mean, it's – yeah, he's probably not here either. Right. Like – you know, those guys were dominant in an era where they were facing pitchers and hitters that were doing steroids, weren't doing steroids, played a long time, didn't play a long time. There was a lot of reasons why those guys shouldn't be there, but I think there's way more saying they should. And I mean, and for a lot of those years, Kurt Schilling not being in is a travesty. I mean, we'll we'll, we'll get to Schilling. That that's a separate topic, kind of in and of itself. But Matt, your right. your thoughts on on like guys like Bonds and Clemens? Yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna put them in the record books then I think that they should be in. I think Pete Rose should be in. So I, I don't necessarily agree with the, the voting of who gets in, who doesn't, based on, you know, baseball writers being like the the old men's club. They're like, oh, well, I didn't like Roger Clemens, and he took steroids, so he's not getting in. Um, you know, it, it was part of the game. I think we all understood back then. I think even, you know, at the time it was happening, we were especially with Bonds. You look at Barry Bonds in Pittsburgh versus Barry Bonds in San Francisco, and you can see that something changed. So, I mean, we're not naive. It's that California weather. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's what we'll call on, it. On that, bay, that Bay air he's breathing. <laughs> so, um, I mean, if you're just going to ignore, you know, what these guys accomplished, um, then you need to ignore it throughout all. So if you're not going to take them out of the record books, you're going to put them in there with an asterisk, then you put them in the Hall of Fame with an asterisk. I will say, though, I am not going to complain about Scott Rowland and Billy Wagner not getting into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Two undeserving pieces of shit. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Matt. Uh, Dave, your your thought on guys like, like Bonds uh, and Clemens. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with everyone here that uh, Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer, period. Um, Roger Clemens is a Hall of Famer, period. Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer, period. Um, this is a Hall of Fame about what you did on the baseball field. It's not a fucking high school drama club on who is better in, you know, voting homecoming king and queen type of thing. This is about your baseball stats, and everyone knows that the steroid era happened. So this is like saying that we're going to forget the whole 10-year period like you've mentioned um, and you're, you're going to have the, you know, the, you even got to look to Sosa and Maguire based on those couple of seasons that they put in. And I know I'm stretching it a little bit, but, 
Um, clearly on the juice, no doubt. But how many people weren't on the juice during that time in, in real estate? And they said, when you can't make that determination, you got to put them in the Hall of Fame. And it's about the stats that you accumulate on the field. I mean, this isn't about, you know, who was the best for the community and who was the nicest to the media and things like that. This is about the, the stats that you got on the baseball field. And that's the, the key point here. Um, it's not it's not the you know, who was the you know, the nicest person to interview after the game or who is the most comical. It's about your stats between the white lines type of thing. And you, you can't tell me on those stats. Again, everyone knows that there were steroids. So, you know, you're. You're going to be on that without a doubt, knowing that what happened during that era. But you can't tell me that those three don't deserve to be in. I mean, you have the one of the most prolific hitters in baseball history, one of the most dominant power pitchers in recent memory there. Um, and then you have Pete Rose, too, which is a whole other conversation that we could talk about for days on end. But, uh, sure. you know, these guys, you know, pure stat wise should be in the Hall of Fame, and there's absolutely zero doubt about it. It's, it's a travesty for both the, the you know, the, the Enigma, the Hall of Fame, and the fact that they, they are not voted in. I mean, there's you made your point by not making them first ballot Hall of Famers, but get over it. Get over it here. These, these guys are Hall of Famers, and this is just ridiculous that we're even having this conversation. Yeah, uh, like Ann brings up a great point about uh, like Soriano. You know, he's a guy that 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 put up great numbers and and was wasn't on the juice and and uh, you know and even even he says here Bonds, uh, you know, the longevity of the game even before steroids. Jake says uh, Bonds and Clemens Hall of Famers doesn't agree with Matt uh, about Scott Rowland though. Um, and, you know, and then then you go to to <laughs> then you go to the situation with um, Kurt Schilling and. and uh, you know, I, I think, you know, you kind of compare this to, um, you know, in, in, in different ways to a guy like Terrell Owens with, with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, you know, because to me that that guy was a was a first ballot and, and, and wasn't in. And, um, you know, now, you know, Kurt Schilling, obviously, you know, is not going to be uh, now. Ant does agree with with Matt about Scott Rollins rolling as a tool bag. Um, but uh, <laughs> great. But you know, so 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 Kurt Schilling, obviously, uh, tremendous numbers. Um, you know, one of the more dominant pitchers. You know, in in his era, uh, three World Series. Uh, you know, doesn't get voted in, and and, and you look at uh, some of the things he's done, some of the things he said. Um, you know, over the past couple of years off the field. Um, you know, the, to me, the, the, like it, it's 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 the hard line because you know, you you like a guy like Tio should be in, should Kurt Schilling be a hall of famer? He absolutely should. Um, but like that said, I don't, I don't feel bad for Kurt Schilling, but if you listen to things Kurt Schilling said in relation to this, he, he doesn't feel, he, he doesn't necessarily feel bad about it either. He said, just leave it up to, um, you know, the veterans committee. And, and if, you know, they put him in, then, then they put him in. And if, if they don't, they don't. Um, like I don't, I don't feel bad for Kurt Schilling. I think Kurt Schilling is a piece of shit. Um, but the guy was a hell of a pitcher. Um, you know, so, so based on what he did on the field, he should be a hall of famer. I'm not going to feel bad for Kurt Schilling that he doesn't make the hall of fame. I don't feel bad for Kurt Schilling about anything really that, that happens to Kurt Schilling, but, um, like, should he be in the hall of fame? Yes, he should be in the hall of fame. Uh, Dave, we'll start, we'll kick it off with you on this one. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, it's kind of going on that last, uh, you know, thing there that, you know, you're judging people for what they did on the baseball field. Like, I don't care if they're the most charitable off the field or if they're the big pieces of shit. Were they a good baseball player? This is not the, you know, 
who is the uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year getting in the Hall of Fame type of thing. This is who is the best baseball player. And yes, I mean, if you're borderline, maybe that plays into it a little bit. But uh, I mean, this is this should be stat driven. And you know, I, I'm more irritated that Roger Clemens didn't get him personally than Kurt Schilling. Uh, in all honesty, but um, I agree with that. There, but it's you know, you got to look at who's on the ballot. And it should be Clemens and Bond should be getting in. I mean, those are the two that should be in in from the ballot. Um, Schilling's probably a potential third there, but, um, you know, you got to look at, you, you, to me, it's Clemens should be in before Schilling um, based on the dominance of the era type of thing, in my opinion. But Schilling's made some uh, mistakes off the field, of course, uh, putting it, you know, nicely. Um, but <laughs> should that play into his Hall of Fame, you know, credibility? Do you really want that as a Hall of Famer? And kind of what they've done off the field? No, but you're not judging them on what they did after retirement. You're judging them on, on their playing ability. And I mean, come on, he's a hall of famer. Uh, Matt, you're uh Kurt Schilling. Yeah, I, I 100% uh, think he should be in given the, you know, again, longevity. We, we saw him get to the world series with multiple teams. Um, you know, the, the storyline with him up in Boston was huge. Um, you know, the, the miracle season for the Phillies that he was one of the catalysts for getting them to that world series. I mean, they certainly had no business being there, but he kind of willed them to that world series. Um, you know, what's happened since then, you, you kind of look over it and, and I a hundred percent do not agree with things he said, things he's done. Uh, I'm not a fan of Kurt Schilling, the person, and that certainly does kind of take away a little bit from Kurt Schilling, the player, but not enough to me that it's like, you know, he's not a murderer. He didn't, you know, come out and do terrible things. He's just said some awful things. Um, I, so I, I have a hard time not putting him in the Hall of Fame just because of what he did for the game of baseball. Um, I think it's important enough that he should be in there without a doubt. Sean, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of, you know, we've talked about the popularity contest enough that, you know, it just kind of comes down to, you know, people don't like Kurt Schilling and, and you know, it's it's like, well, we have the power to vote no. And, you know, there's enough people, you know, voting that are voting on what they saw on the field. And unfortunately, it just wasn't enough to get him in again. Um, I, I look like these these guys that seem to have an issue with players. Oh, he's a he's a rude player. He says, you know. I don't agree with him. I don't like him. He's a, you know, he's an asshole off the field. It's like they're comparing him to guys from like the 1920s and 40s and 50s. Like those guys were all assholes. Like every like those the, the, the oh, I mean, terrible, terrible people, gamblers. Like like those guys didn't have like there just wasn't the media coverage to cover it. You know what I mean? Like it just like there's nobody that is ever going to convince me that Babe Ruth was an all around good person. <laughs> I've seen the guy in pictures. I've you know I've, I've heard stories about him, like his ties to the mob, his ties to all these other big, like Babe Ruth was not a good person. Sorry if you think he's like the crown prince or the king right. He's he's not a saint. Like <laughs> there was nothing that that man did that was you know he was probably like I'm gonna go play baseball. I'm gonna go uh, grab a couple prostitutes and head down to the casino. How about you boys? You want to come? You know like <laughs> and people would have been like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let me just tell my wife I won't be home. You know like. I think it's just literally what that era was probably like. I just assume, and they, he lived right down the you know, right down the road half the year, right down the road from my house. Pretty crazy. Anyway, um, in the midst of that, Kurt Schilling should be in. Obviously, I think that 
to to answer the Scott Rowland question that Jake threw up there, uh, he basically told the city of Philadelphia to f off uh, and and weaseled his way out of town to go like do well for St. Louis. And basically, there was nothing he could have done to impress me after he uh, basically weaseled his way out of the contract. <laughs> yeah, like your aunt says, there you go, Mickey, Mickey Mantle. Mantle was alcoholic, was praised as God. I would say, like, besides from like Lou Gehrig, I don't think there was anyone on that murderer's row team that oh, people no. would look back on and be like, oh, yeah, good guy. I'm pretty sure Joe DiMaggio killed a guy. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Ty Cobb was terrible. Um, yeah, Ty Cobb's like loved by baseball. First of all, Ty Cobb, greatest hitter by far in the history of baseball. Uh, not good off the field. Not a great person. And, but those guys were alcoholics. They all died of like liver disease. Oh yeah. And cancer. Uh, like, uh, or they died in the war. Yeah. Ant says here, why isn't Bonds in? He never failed a test. They tested him. Um, you know, we all know he cheated, but but I think for for a portion of his career, again, um, you know, he it, it wasn't illegal or certain substances weren't illegal so uh you know wire and bonds both were big like creatine like yeah i mean so so for a portion of their career they technically didn't do anything illegal but i think you know everybody wants to go back to like the purity of the game uh sort of thing you don't see the game uh, of the game i just want to do a quick shout out to shane victorino was a one and done was on the ballot didn't get his five percent won't be on the ballot next year Honor to be nominated for that guy who spent a good, like, eight years battling in and out of the minors and off of the people's lists uh, to make a late push in his career. Uh, just to be nominated, pretty impressive for the Flying Hawaiian. Um, yeah, you know, so, so you know, that, that, that's something to, to remember is, is is some of these guys, I, they go back to, like, the purity of the game, and I, and I think that's why, um, yeah, and it, like Ant says, Soriano was one and done uh, as well. Um, you know, like, the purity of the game, and I think that ties back to, to – the Pete Rose situation and why that's such a such a controversial topic is because like you know the one rule that everybody always had is like you don't bet on baseball and you know he kind of broke that 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 cardinal rule like this is the one thing you don't do and he knew it you come into that club uh and 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 he did the thing that you're not supposed to do um and and you know he kind of has has paid for it and um obviously that that debate uh is for another time and place uh, in, now, apparently, there's three things you don't do. Bet on baseball, steroids, be an asshole. Sure, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't drink any them. You're fine. Uh, and otherwise... Just, just drinking, but, drinking prostitutes all the time. Right, you're in the yeah, Hall of Fame. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, no, uh, nobody um, into the uh, the baseball uh, Hall of Fame this year. Obviously, we, we, we don't want to... Uh, end today, uh, without remembering, uh, today is one year since the, uh, helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant and his daughter. And, and of course, uh, the others in that, in that crash, uh, I, I, I forgot the names, uh, in front of me, but the, the, the WNBA announcing today that, uh, Kobe Bryant's daughter and the other two girls that were, uh, killed in that tragic, uh, crash will be honorary, um, NBA draftees this year. Uh, so kudos to the WNBA for that. Um, obviously one of, one of the best of all time, you know, to, uh, think that's only been a year. Sometimes it feels like it's been a year. Sometimes it feels like it's been about a decade, uh, with everything that's happened, uh, since then. But, uh, of course we, we remember Kobe Bryant, uh, today, uh, and, and his family. And, uh, I thought it was really cool. Like the, the, the family I know had said, you know, they, they don't, they don't want any sort of, um, you know, big tributes from the, from the league or anything like that. Uh, the NBA, ha- you know, has has 
uh, honored that request. The Lakers kind of doing, you know, the, the little things they've done, um, you know, last year and this year as well. So, um, again, we, we, we think about them. Uh, does anybody have any other anything else to add before we close out this week? No, it was just a just a darn shame uh, the whole thing happened a year ago. But uh, yeah, I um, just baffling. And I've seen a couple articles this year. Like I don't, I didn't see them as much last year of people kind of sharing these like insights to like his personal life and how he wasn't a good person. It was like it was really. I've seen a couple really dark posts about you know Kobe Bryant the man versus Kobe Bryant the player. And again. First of all, like the guy made some mistakes. The guy did his thing. Uh, obviously, was a was a pretty clean cut dad, a clean cut person. Did a lot for a lot of folks in a lot of communities. Uh, I don't really see any reason to kind of maim the guy now. Um, just consider it a tragedy. Move on. You don't got to tear the guy down if you didn't like him. Just well, yeah, up. and I mean, especially you know if you know if the if his family and the people closest to him uh, welcome him back and forgive him, um, then then the bottom line is. Uh, if, if you don't do that, then that's on you. That's not on him. You know, everybody makes mistakes in their own way in their own fashion. And, um, you know, late, you know, later in his life, uh, obviously cut way too short. Um, you know, he seemed to, to, to become really uh great man, great family man. Uh, and here, uh, with a question before we close out, did you guys talk about how, uh, the media, Matt, I know this is a topic near and dear to your heart. Uh, making uh, Carson Wentz the Antichrist, how they're basically pushing him out of uh, of Philadelphia. Yeah, that that's something I don't understand. Obviously, Sean and, and Matt being being Philadelphia sports fans, um, it just kind of baffling sometimes the way that, that the Philly uh, media is. It's not just with the Eagles; it's it's with sports uh, across the board. Be it the Sixers, be it the Flyers, be it the Phillies, um, just kind of kind of a, a really strange um market when when you look at um and it's a popular radio market it's a it's a popular tv market and there, there's so much um just negativity and kind of these these easy uh you know tm up storylines that just i i don't get it i don't you know matt i'll, I'll throw it to you first it's all it's all about the clicks in philadelphia i mean when you're your three biggest uh Sports media members are Mikey Miss, Angelo, and Howard Eskin, who are the three of the biggest dickheads I think I've ever, you know, heard speak in my life. And they're just driving controversy. I mean, controversy creates what they want most. So, I mean, Ben Simmons has been traded 72 times, I think, since I jumped on this show here by Howard <laughs> Eskin. Um, you know, Bleeding Green Nation, a, a website I used to go to religiously, has just turned into a cesspool now of every article is, hey, Eagles hire a new car coach. And then the whole article is just Carson Wentz is, is just the worst human being alive. And why hasn't he said anything about not wanting to be traded? And it's like, what what can Carson Wentz possibly come out and say at this point that's going to change anything of what of what you're writing about him? You know, well it's, and it's it's, it's such a it's fun. it's such a weird take because okay, so let's say today he comes out and says, I want to be traded I want out of here, the writing's on the wall, whatever. And then, you know, the the, the coaching staff comes together and, you know, they, they click. Uh, you know, the, the new head coach, obviously, is a Colts guy, coached under Frank Reich. A lot of success, Frank Reich, Carson Wentz, and they, they start to hit it off. Like, wh- where where do you take that quote then of, I want to be traded because of what's happened in the past? Like, it just seems like such an odd take. 
um you know that 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 he's somehow supposed to uh you know just I want out I want out I mean he he signed here you know he should want to he should want to stay here if the team and and whatever they come to an agreement that they, they, they trade him that's one thing that's what stuff behind closed doors but it yeah it's just definitely such a weird um I mean if if every single time an article's written and Carson Wentz has to come out and address the rumors then he's going to be in front of a microphone like all the time he's a new dad it's the off season probably just wants to hang out with his family and will address everything when he's back to work. Yeah. I mean, I don't address anything at work related when I'm on vacation, and I don't expect the same of, of a quarterback who's been drugged through the mud repeatedly all year by these writers who are now like, "Hey, why won't you talk to us, man?" <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> like you know, you know, Dak Prescott. I haven't heard any any national or Dallas media asking why he hasn't started negotiations. Uh, on his contract because he's he's set to become a free agent. He's not under contract uh, with the Cowboys for next year. He was you know because he had the franchise tag. But no, you know, is it because he was hurt versus Carson Wentz was healthy? It's just kind of a silly thing. Sean, your thoughts on on the kind of the Philly media? Well, I mean, the Philly media is is a is a group of guys that just they 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 always try to like flex their muscle and like when they don't have some, when they have someone they don't like or somebody that's rubbed them the wrong way. They're going to like flex their muscle and be like, look what we can do. And they often try to push like they I think they try to push buttons to see how much they can make these franchises do. And the truth is nothing. Uh, they, they can post whatever they want. And, 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 you know, if anybody's got an issue with Carson Wentz or a question about what he's thinking, they'll just go to him. You know, I mean, the Eagles organization hasn't caved to their media demands before and they're not going to do it again. Uh, far as uh, is it because he's a Christian? No, that is not a thing. I saw that was a, you know, kind of a rural guy. Uh, Nick Foles, fairly rural Christian guy, um, probably the biggest Philly hero in the history of heroes. Uh, I don't think that's a major issue. I think a lot of it may come from the fact that when Wentz, when Wentz finally got benched, that they had been pushing and pushing and pushing. And then when it went, Wentz kind of came out and said some things that made them cover Wentz when I think they kind of wanted to cover Hertz. And I think that may have been kind of like a push, um, but it doesn't. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, the truth is Carson Wentz, at his best, is a great quarterback. And it's going to be on the new coaching staff to see if they can get him back anywhere close to what that best was. Um, and I think he's going to – I mean, I think he's going to be fine. I'm curious what happens in that. That's a whole separate uh, conversation. But as far as the media goes, uh, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of assholes. I'm not saying everybody in the media in Philadelphia is, is – uh, is, is, but these are guys that fought through smaller markets to get to this market. You know, they're not in New York, like whatever. Lord knows what they do in New York. They string Carson Wentz up. He'd already be hanging from Times Square. Yeah, but, I was going to say, the New, the New York Post is pretty relentless uh, when, yeah, when it comes it's, to things. It's not the only city that does it. You know, these media guys, that are they get to this point, especially now when you got to be louder than everybody else. I think we're seeing kind of a new era of media because – with the, with the tweets and the and the chirps and the whatever else that's going on out there, you got to be louder than everybody else to get noticed. And so to get to the Philly market, these guys have been loud their whole life, and they're just trying to be loud again. Uh, I want to take it personally if I'm Carson Wentz. Obviously, he's not. He's got a hundred million reasons why not to. Um, but but uh, I think you're going to see him next year, and I, I think it should be a pretty interesting, hopefully, comeback story for him. 
Yeah, it, it's and that's the thing. Everything, everything is hot take based. Everybody's trying to make more noise uh, than the guy uh, than the guy next to him. So uh, that's gonna do it. Love the interaction, of course, from uh, from Ant, from Jake, from Scotty a little bit earlier. Uh, everybody else that tuned in. Uh, Dave, let people know where they can uh, follow you and keep track of things. Yeah, we're at uh, Huddle of Dave on Twitter, and just want to comment that it shows you how clueless the Philly market is when they're uh, criticizing Wentz with how beat up that offensive line was last year. So keep on being Philly, Philly. <laughs> uh, Matt, let people know where they can follow you. You can follow me. Uh, it's at 3CT, the letter A. Philly has in Philadelphia, the number 8, so 3CT affiliate. You can catch me on Thursdays with 3 Count Thursday. Did want to say one more thing before we wrap up here. Our longtime NBA reporter, Seku Smith, passed away today after a long battle with COVID. So um, 48 years old, people, wear your masks, wash your hands, take this seriously, social distance. It happens to everyone. So please, you know, this is another life lost. Uh, and may he rest in peace, his family as well. But, uh, you know, a big name in the NBA reporting world now gone because of a disease. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Matt. And Sean, where they can, where can they follow you? Yeah, mask up, people. Uh, you can catch me uh, at Sean Shine State. That's S-H-A-W-N, Sean Shine State. Um, just wanted to give a quick another happy birthday out there to the great one, Wayne Gretzky, uh, and to the late Paul Newman. Uh, and just remind you that this week in, uh, in uh, sports history, back in 1924, this was the week of the first ever Winter Olympics, not near the events we have now. Uh, but obviously with the Olympics maybe coming back this year, thought it was interesting that this was the origin uh, not that long ago in 1924 of the Winter Olympics. But, uh, hey, y'all, enjoy your enjoy your Pro Bowl week. Enjoy your hockey. Enjoy everything else. Stay safe. Wear masks. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Enjoy Pro Bowl week? Doesn't even make sense. I'm just happy there's not an actual Pro Bowl. Uh, but you can follow me at Big Jim Sports. Make sure you are following the show uh, at Huddle Up Podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Huddle Up Pod uh, on Instagram. Our home network, of course, NGSC Sports. You can find them at NGSCSports.com. You can uh, subscribe to our show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. Until next time, folks, uh, stay safe, stay smart, and go for the pin. We'll talk to you next week. Huddle Up Podcast is sponsored by Arena Eats. Log on to the website, arenaeats.app, that's arenaeats.app, for the ultimate fan experience. At your favorite sports venue, Arena Eats mobile app, pre-order, express pickup, and in-seat delivery. How do you place your order?